What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. The return of Steve DeNovi. I am happy to have Steve DeNovi back on the program to give you one of our very special Thursday episodes that I look forward to, and I know you guys look forward to each and every week. And we discuss the USAPL Raw Nationals roster, and believe it or not, we gave a non-cynical view on it because we looked at the roster. The competition is strong. A lot of the lifters that we wanted to see get into Raw Nationals got in. We talk a little bit about that because we do agree it could have been done a little bit better. And we do have a conversation on whether or not some of the disgruntlement with the lifters might have caused a few lifters to not sign up if they feel like they don't deserve a spot or didn't want to take someone's spot. So very brief conversation about that. But we discuss perhaps the most stacked weight class in USAPL Raw Nationals, and that is the new weight classes in the 69kg and 76kg divisions. We discussed that, we discussed some of the lifters in those divisions and why it's so intriguing and why it's so important, and we also discuss another very important meet, the showdown that is happening in September, and a few of people in the tested side Ashton Roscoe, Sean Oriega, Daniela Mello, Rondell Hunt, and Julia Williams all got invited and they all signed up. And we talk about the implications of that, the importance of that, and how awesome it is. Not a political thing. It is something that would possibly unite untested and tested and give powerlifting what they want to see. Give the fans, the lifters, and possibly push powerlifting into the mainstream. So we mostly just talk about how awesome it is and how influential it can be. We also talk about how this is a potentially really good situation for the USAPL and possibly a negative for the IPF. Uh, we talk a little bit about IPF Worlds, why people are not motivated to go to IPF Worlds, and why this could have some negative implication on drug-tested powerlifting. So we talk about the good and bad. We discuss the two white lights topic of the week briefly, if this is the second coming of Raw Unity. Uh but we mostly remained on the positive side of things uh, with that conversation about the showdown. So, exciting show. But before we get into the show, got to talk to you guys about Leflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, go to leflarbros.com. Go to Leflar Bros Apparel on Instagram. Follow them and check out the Leflar family grow and check out the designs and check out how they are helping and supporting the powerlifting community. This is a company you want to get involved in, you want to you want to support, and of course you want to buy their merchandise because it looks fantastic. Each and every one of their designs are designed for the strength athletes. All their designs relate to strength training in some way, and you can get anything you like on that website for 15% off. Use promo code 2WL15. Use promo code 2WL15, and you will get 15% off of the dad hats, the baseball tees, the tanks, the t-shirts, the new designs, the old designs, they're all amazing, they're all fantastic, use promo code 2WL15, and also, Two White Lights merchandise is available on leflarbros.com, so that's right, if you go on twowhitelights.com, you're not going to find any merchandise from Two White Lights, it's only on leflarbros.com, so get yourself a t-shirt, the fight night, the original tee, the dad hat, on LeFleurBros.com, and you can also use 2WL15 for that discount code as well. That's right, best discount code in powerlifting, 2WL15. Make sure you are using it. 
Also, go to Rivalist.net and get yourself some informed choice supplements. Most of the people who listen to the show are USAPL athletes. So if you're a USAPL athlete, you get drug tested. You don't want to break a drug test, get that informed choice label for your pre-workouts, your proteins, your branch chain amino acids. You name it, Rivalist has got you covered. Remember, promo code ANGELO15 to get 15% off your order on anything on Rivalist.net. Also, visit lift.net, get yourself some stoic gear. I only wear stoic gear in the gym and on the platform. I love the singlets, the knee sleeves, the wrist wraps. You can get 10% off if you use promo code ANGELO10 to get 10% off of all your stoic gear. And also, make sure you are following Notorious Lift on Instagram. No slip drip is a real thing. They keep on dropping these designs. They keep on dropping this merch. They keep on dropping new slippers, and they look fantastic. But guess what? They're not available at all times. you got to wait for those drops. Those drops are important because if you see something that you love that matches your gym attire, that matches your platform attire, you just got to get it. you got to sign up for that newsletter, and you got to get on the drop quick. Remember, sign up for it, look at the newsletter, check out the Instagram page, and be aware of the drops. Remember, it's going to help you deadlift, and it's also going to help you deadlift pretty. And that's like 90% of it is looking good while you do it. Remember, Notorious Lift on Instagram. Also, we are on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Follow on Spotify. Give a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Leave a nice review for us on Apple Podcasts as well. Remember, we could be pro-negativity, but we're pro-positivity in the reviews section. So make sure you're doing that. And without further ado, here it is, Two White Lights. It is Thursday, March 11th, and welcome back, Steve DeNovi. How are you, man? Well, thank, thank you. I'm doing good. All moved in, settled, craziness is over, back to normal, back on two white lights. Yeah, man, I'm really happy to see you. Uh, the show was lacking some professionalism, apparently, and I think the professionalism is all in Steve DeNovi, so thanks for thanks for coming back, man. It's always good doing these shows. And yeah. congratulations to uh, Sean Noriega. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we, we, we had a good meet. Wasn't perfect. A lot of things we learned, a lot of things that went even better than we thought. We had a chance to maybe chip an American record deadlift, but we chose just to just keep it in the pocket. I don't know if it was there. That would have been a little bit of a stretch, but yeah, fun meet. I think we learned some things and I am very, very, very confident about things going to the nationals. I, I think everything is shaping up to, uh, this to be Sean's best meet ever and Sean's best chance to take that number one spot. Absolutely. And uh, we referenced it on the recap of the Texas Strength Classic that he's built great momentum in two raw nationals. And my tone is a little different because I'm not cynical asshole Angelo right now because raw nationals roster has been released and we're going to talk about just the raw nationals roster, but 
just from the initial roster that we see, just from everyone signed up, the mad dash to the computers, everyone that we wanted to see get in, I'm not going to say everyone, most of the people, heavy majority of the people that we wanted to see get in, got in. And I don't care what the stance was from me and you. I'm just happy to see that. Yeah. I mean, the competition is going to be there. Um, I I think we still agree that it could have been done better. But were we wrong in the sense that maybe we thought too much of people not getting in? Maybe yes. Was it not that big of a deal? Maybe yes. Mm. But... I think an interesting discussion is, was the outrage what caused it to make sure the best people got in? Because we see things like Carolina primetime coming up. We see Garrett's meet. I know for a fact there's people that were going to do Raw Nationals are like, eh, you know what? I don't, I don't want to do it because I don't want to take a spot from one of these, these best lifters. So I'm just not going to try and do the autofill race. I almost wonder if kind of the the uproar about it kind of kept things accountable to where just the best lifters signed up and we got exactly what we needed to. So either way, it all worked out great. I don't. I, we're speculating if that was the reason why, but uh, fortunately, we've got a great nationals roster and we've got a, a Carolina primetime, Virginia State meet, and then Garrett's USPA meet. I think are the three meets that are going to be right around Raw Nationals that are going to have a lot of like those. It was just tier two people that were probably going to be like in the top 10 to 20 that just aren't going to be at Raw Nationals this year. Yeah, absolutely. And I had an interesting conversation with David Wilson because I was relieved, of course, um, to get into Raw Nationals. And on top of that, we got quick access to the rosters where I got to see the people who got in. And obviously I'm biased towards the 83s. I really look towards the people I was competing against and wanted to compete against. And then Pretty much everyone was there aside from Matt Cronin. I don't even know if he tried to sign up, but uh, that was the only yeah that was the only guy I saw that wasn't on the roster. I'm like I, I love I'm a big Matt Cronin fan. I competed with him at 2019 Raw Nationals, and I'm I'm a good friend with him, so I would like to see him on the roster. But everyone else that we mentioned on the show got in, so I said, you know what, I'm gonna eat my words. And then David Wilson uh, uh, messaged me, and we had an interesting conversation. It's like I don't know if you have to eat your words, you. And Steve displayed your displeasure with the USAPL, and I think it got to a lot of lifters, and a lot of them possibly didn't sign up because of that. And and also a lot of lifters are just unmotivated, like you said, to maybe even do Raw Nationals because they didn't find it worth it. And they were extremely upset with the USAPL in general. So, I mean, Johnny Candido comes to mind. He obviously didn't even attempt to sign up. He is doing Garrett's meet. Uh person who I'm, I'm good friends with, Michael Cole DiPietro, he didn't bother to sign up. He told me right away, he's like, I don't fucking care about Raw Nationals at this point. I want to do Garrett's meet with myself a uh, Ghost Combo Rack and call it a day. And those are two very good lifters. Those are two, you know, 500 plus Wilkes lifters who just opted not to do Raw Nationals. So uh, we obviously can't take credit for that because we're just assuming these things. But yeah, I, I think uh, a lot of lifters maybe we're hesitant to sign up because of that. Um, but and, and you said it's awesome to see the meets uh, being lined up. Carolina Primetime is continuously doing good things. I'm so excited to see that meet. I'm pumped. It's going to be right around Raw Nationals. Uh, once that meet starts rolling, I think Two White Lights is going to have definitely a preview show and a recap show and be watching a live stream because they're working hard on getting that live stream going well. The Virginia State meet. Um, 
and a lot of other meets are potentially having primetime sessions within the August range in Texas. So don't want to spoil it and give you something that's not exactly there, but primetime meets are going to be happening in Texas throughout the year. So I'm excited to see it. Well, very cool. I didn't know about the Texas thing. I know kind of talking, you talking to Kyle, they, they're wanting to continue that. And that, that went so well. I'm going to, I'm going to go back around to that meet. That was the best local meet I've ever been to ever. That did not feel like a local meet that, that felt like a mini nationals with not only the people who were there, but the atmosphere, all the work that Texas strength systems put in, they had eight warm up platforms, eight combo yeah. racks, eight. You get lucky if some local meets have three and they had eight. That, that was an incredible meet. I recommend anyone who wants to do a nationals caliber meet in a local setting to do that meet next year. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, that's a meet that everyone really loves doing whenever they have it. Texas Strain System is awesome. Um, I absolutely love all the people over there down in San Antonio. And on top of that, it was really great. I have to thank you for this. It was really great going on Instagram Live, and then you showed me just the amount of people who were there, former guests of Two White Lights, former national champions, all these high-level elite lifters, and it was like, when I was just on Instagram Live, it felt like nationals. Just when you were, you know, I saw you you put the camera yeah. on L.S. McLean, you saw, I, I saw Michael C., I saw Noriega, I saw Ashton, I saw Aiden, I'm like, oh god, it feels like nationals again. It feels like nationals, and I'm not even there. I have to thank you for that because that was actually like my highlight of my day is just seeing all the guys like, you know, kind of chill. I'm like, oh, I missed that. I needed that. I needed that in my life um, at that point because um, we have, I mean, we haven't had Raw Nationals yet. We haven't had that meet where we get to see each other. And uh, this is another way for lifters to really see each other and spotlight the best. So we are getting Raw Nationals though. And we have the rosters. And this is something that you pointed out to me. And I have to agree of potentially the most interesting and the most stacked weight class within Raw Nationals. Yeah, so I mean, like, look at the roster. There's a ton of things to talk about. And this comes back to being a podcast. We can't talk about every single thing every single time. So if we're picking out the biggest storyline, in my opinion, that when you look at this roster, you're like, I don't know if I expected all this. This is pretty interesting. It's the 69 and 70 kilo women or 76 kilo women, the two new weight classes. Yeah. I mean, we didn't know what was going to happen there with, with, uh, um, with 72 going away and those splitting, we didn't not kind of know where, where were the, where the 63 is going to go up where 72 is going to go down or 70, all of these things. And the two most stacked classes now look to be 69 and 76. I think they have the most signups. Now there's obviously like 63, has a really top-heavy lineup. You got Sam Calhoun, Jennifer Milliken, Jen Thompson, Cameron Brown, but they've only got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight lifters overall in the sixty-three. It's just it's just very top-heavy in my opinion. Um, where when you look at sixty-nine and seventy-six, there's a lot of lifters that switch classes that I was not expecting, and they are deep. They yeah. are very deep classes where you're going top eight to nine are all people who are like very competitive. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I saw that, and I think uh, it was something that I just wasn't expecting either, and I think it was something that I was surprised to see, and it is such an exciting thing, because last episode, uh, Austin Perkins mentioned that he believed that uh, Jasmine Adrogo, I believe I am pronouncing that name correctly, is an underrated lifter, and I kind of disagreed with him on that one, because I don't think 
someone that Raw is underrated. But now that I look at her in the 69KG division, where she's competing, or um, or uh, the... Oh, no, 69, where she's competing in 69. It's like, oh, wait a minute. She can actually be top five in that weight class. Yeah, because it's a new girl, thing. And it's I, new... I think she used to be 63, and so I think she just she just competed at 65. Or yeah. She was 65 kilos at the Texas Strength Systems, which she kind of had. I'll agree with the kind of underage. Yeah, that was her coming out party, though. Her and uh, Ivy Lambus, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, they had like a coming out party at Texas Strength System where they're both top competitors now. So she's obviously got room to grow. I mean, she was, she would be someone that I thought was going to stick to 63, but she's obviously going up to 69. She's very competitive. I think she's ranked one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh. Yeah. Um, but seventh, I mean, for the fact that she's seventh is crazy. I mean, there's just a lot of women that moved up. And I, I think that was, I mean, I was partially because those weight classes between what, 63 to 72 to 84, so many women were just forcing their weight. Yeah, at certain these weight classes, I'm, I'm sure a lot of these women are just so excited to be able to now not have to just force a lower weight class or force a certain weight class, or even the opposite. We see, we'll get to it in a second. A lot of women dropping from 84 to 76 that I didn't think would drop, which that might be something because they were trying to force an upper weight limit of 84 to be competitive, and now they realize I don't have to anymore. I can go to a more comfortable weight. Yeah, I mean, I believe that was Daniela Mello's prime motivation was just like, yeah. I don't feel like being 84 plus, or I don't feel being 84 anymore. It's uncomfortable. It's hard. It's difficult. It's not an easy thing for people to do, and that is much more of an easier weight class to make. And actually, looking at the 69 uh, weight class, that, right now, I'm going to ask you, because I'm looking at this roster, who would you have as a favorite to win? It is I close. Mean, I mean, Chandler Babb is out there in front. But I mean, I would call her underrated in the fact that like, I, I mean, I'll be honest, I don't know a ton about her. I know of her. I followed her, but I, I don't think she, she's never been on the national scene as like someone that's looked at as like she's going to win national. So she's underrated and unknown in that sense. But I mean, she's out by, I mean, almost third, tw- 27 kilos, it looks like yeah. ahead. Um, I mean, obviously, Kristen Dunsmore, she has a qualifying total, but that, I think that's from when she was hurt. So that'll be very interesting seeing her at 69, which might be more of kind of a, a natural weight class for her because she used to be 63. She went up to 72, but I think she was a light 72. So I think the big name, per se, is Kristen, but I'm, I'm not sure kind of how she's doing with her injuries. Um, but either way, I mean, you've got the top four or five are all within it based on kind of how they do with uh, – um, changing weight classes with Chandler Baz, Stephanie Scoville, Kristen Dunsmore, Ellen Liverpool, Claire Zai, Paige Husbert, Hubbard, and then Jasmine, I think is just kind of like right on that tail end. So um, no matter what, barring it's Kristen, we're going to see a new national champion Yeah, that's never won nationals before. I mean, none of those women other than Kristen have won a national championship. And if I had to put my money on it, it looks like Stephanie and Chandler are going to be the front and are going to be the front runners. And that means we've got someone else, someone new who's going to be kind of at, at the top of the totem pole in a weight class that hasn't been before. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a, the most interesting thing for me. I think Kristen Dunsmore is a heavy hitter that because she's won nationals before, but a lot of time has passed since then, and a lot of other lifters you don't know the potential at this new weight class. So I, I it is the most it is the most intriguing weight class so far with the initial rosters. Uh, obviously, the storylines are going to develop as. We get ready for Raw Nationals. A lot of people are talking about the 83 men. Um, I, I think this year is 
Them and the 105s, I think, is actually taking the Toots top storylines. I would still say 105s at top, 83 men, 74s. Um, but I think the most intriguing one is the 69 women. Yeah. Um, 76 women would be there if it wasn't for Daniela. The, just the, I mean, not this is, I shouldn't say even unfortunate. This is unfortunate at all. Daniela, if she does what she's going to do, she's going to run away with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I say but then, unfortunate because we don't have some kind of awesome competition there that there's not going to, I, I well, don't, I don't believe there's someone that's going to push her. It would be cool if we saw that, but she's just so far ahead of everyone. If she brings even close to what her total was at 84 kilo, she's kind of a runaway winner. But if you were to take her out of the picture, the 76 is from first, second, third, and fourth and fifth. That's a crazy stack roster. I was I mean, about to Chloe say Dub- Chloe yeah. Dublin coming up. Yeah, which Chloe Dublin um, and Jasmine Penn—I mean, they're back at it in their battle because that was the battle at sixty or seventy-two at two thousand nineteen, right? Chloe yeah. won. Jasmine got called for soft knees or whatever it was. Um, so both of them moving up. Honestly, I didn't think I—I I wasn't sure about them. I—they I, both weighed in light as seventy-twos, so I thought they might be going down. So that was kind of surprising that they went up. Um, and then honestly, it was surprising to me, Gina Hensley, uh, Isla Thurston, Dana McNeil, they were all kind of at the top end of 84s. And so I thought they might stay there and they're all coming down. So I was surprised about that. Cause like, I've got a lifter, Autumn Green, I coach, mm-hmm. she's currently ranked eighth. If she was to go 84 and just be a super, super light 84, she would be ranked fifth right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I saw. And I think. Yeah, Daniela is the big factor, but even with that, even with Daniela, say even if she runs away, it's very similar to the 83s that I was saying. Um, you're going to have this battle for third place between five or six lifters. You're going to see that with the 76 females, and there are some heavy, heavy hitters there. And like what you mentioned, I think, yeah, the, the battle between Jasmine, ben, uh, Jasmine Penn and Chloe Dublin is very intriguing. But also, uh, I, I would qualify her as an underrated lifter. Um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing her first name correctly, but uh, Ilya Thurston. Mm-hmm. Ilya Thurston is a very good lifter, very and under the radar too. Young and making really good progress lately. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she was she was still at eighty four. She was. I mean, Daniela and Amanda were just on another level. But Isla was seemingly the next person to kind of reach close to kind of that tier. So um, that would just be very interesting. Like I said, you got Isla and Dana who are at 537 and 535 with their qualifying total. And then fourth and fifth, you got Chloe at 520 and Jasmine at 507. But you got to think that's going to go up a bit since they're able to add five or six kilos to their body weight. Um, so that second place in 76 could be one of the most fun battles at nationals. And I said, we're going to get to I'm, it. I'm, 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 I'm sorry to count them out. I'm just where I think a lot of us are just already kind of handing it to Daniela. Things can always happen, but it's the same thing as thinking Sean and Russ. We assume they're going to be one and two, and then we think about you, Delaney, and Edward as three. I see the same thing kind of here as Dana, Isla, Chloe, Jasmine, um, Gina, and Kiana kind of all battling for that second spot behind Daniela. Yeah, I agree. But also, this is why you show up to meets, right? Because you just never know what's going to happen. That's why you want to go nine for nine. That's why you want to put your best foot forward, because you never know what's going to happen at meets. So with that, and on top of that, that second spot is going to be, that second place is going to be really important, because we're going to talk about the end of the show, Daniela Mello is doing another competition, possibly in lieu for Worlds. So... 
So, I, I mean, that's going to be a thing. We'll talk about a lot of it, but that's going to be a thing, I think, around all of nationals is you probably don't have to win nationals this year to go to Worlds because a lot of people are probably going to turn down that spot. Yeah, so that, that's going to be intriguing. But I think with that comes a little bit lost at the 84s because right now it's just Amanda Lawrence. Yeah. Like, um, it's, 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 yeah, it's Amanda just... Margaret Hampton's is second, and Margaret's a great lifter. I know her; she's a great lifter. But it's just the fact that Amanda's just on another planet. Like it's it's not. It's Amanda's kind of like in the Ray Williams territory of 2016 and 2019. Yeah, where Ray can hit his openers, and he's going to walk away, and not even. I mean, he's just going to walk away with it, no problem. Now Ray's got competition now, and hopefully one day Amanda's got competition. But as of right now, Amanda's kind of like in the spot where as long as she hits her openers, she just kind of, she has it. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I think I neglected a lot of storylines initially there because I, I think I'm biased towards the 83s. I definitely want to see the 105s. I could get to watch the 105s. But even with the super heavies now, like you actually have a battle oh, yeah. that I got like, that's, oh, that's going to be the main event of the evening. So yeah, Nationals, I mean, right now, and it's, it will be luckily got the roster we wanted where there's going to be there's going to be battles all over the place um unfortunately we won't have that prime time section to really signal things out because i think multiple platforms will be running during that time but it's still going to be a really intriguing nationals and also on top of that another development arnold being canceled yes so that's going to lead into more reasons of why we're going to talk about the showdown but the arnold is canceled Mm-hmm. Um, so there's kind of this big old blank space after nationals of like, what do you do? You can do the worlds, but we're going to talk about worlds in Belarus. And I, I don't think a lot of people are going to want to go this year. So what do you do? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, there is a question. I didn't know about this credit to Joey Franzo for bringing this up in his, uh, video. He just did the rogue invitationals in September and they may be adding powerlifting. And my just assumption because of Rogue, Rogue would probably be USAPL or NAPF. Maybe there's something there, mm-hmm. but it's tentative. That is not confirmed by any means. It is not on the roster. It supposedly is being talked about. But assuming the Arnold's canceled, within the States, there's no other planned big uh, untested or big tested USAPL meets barring some of these more prime times uh, meets come up or like winter wreckers. Um, so yeah, we're going to kind of have this weird drought that we usually don't have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it, it's going to be interesting, but yeah, you might have some meets there to fill that slot and we're going to have, I mean, obviously an unprecedented amount of primetime meets because it's never been done before. So mm-hmm. all the primetime meets that are going to happen are going, it's going to be way more than what we're used to. And a lot more high level local meets are going to be, more of a trend uh, because of this. And yeah, the Arnold would be a spot where a lot of people would want to compete in. And it looks like they could, they could use that competition um, and maybe replace it with one of those local meets. Yep. And I mean, something for the USAPL, if the Arnold's canceled, we don't have to have the Arnold for USAPL to hold their own big meet. Yeah. I think it would be very smarter than to do that. Because we have every, every powerlifter has recency bias. If you go nine months with nothing happening, barring local meat directors stepping up, people are going to kind of get bored. 
and kind of forget about things to an extent. I'm not saying people are leaving the USAPL, but one of the great things about the USAPL is we've always had this very good structure where there's never this lull. There's the Arnold, then there's Worlds, then there's Nationals, and there's the Arnold. It's, it's every four to five months we have this. Um, I think this would be a, I mean, we don't have to have the Arnold to have the Arnold. We can have an invite meet that's bigger with, uh, with great production value um, that Priscilla, because uh, Priscilla's the head of USAPL along with Larry that they usually host. Um, they're the ones that host nationals in the Arnold. I would love to see them step up and have something like that um, to kind of replace it. Maybe that's the rogue invitational. Maybe that's why they're kind of in talks with it. But if they don't, I think it would be very smart of them to do something um, just to fill that gap in. Yeah, for sure. And we're always like, you know, with the, the negativity with the USAPL, if they start doing something like that, where they, you know, take advantage of that rogue invitational, I, you're going to make a lot of lifters happy. We, we, it's like you, you're going to get very good press from the lifters by doing that and primarily in the USAPL and the test side of powerlifting because you cannot love that idea. You cannot love a big meet, potentially with money on the line. I don't know how much money there would be, but you could, you could, you could use it as an opportunity to actually do that money meets that you're looking for in, in lieu of the Arnold. So uh, I think that yeah, would be a great way to make the lifters happy. I, I mean, Rogue arguably has more pull than SBD does in the sense of what they could do. Mm-hmm. Um, now, SBD obviously was putting out a ton of money on their own. I don't know if Rogue would, but Rogue always tends to bias towards tested type federations. I don't think they tend to do much with the untested side. So the assumption would be a USAPL, and that could be a huge thing if that happens. Yeah, absolutely. That would, that would be great to see. But... Um, any, any closing thoughts on nationals? Anything we didn't talk about? No, I mean, I'm sure we're going to talk about more. Um, I think we've kind of alluded to it. We're going to do a March madness countdown. Um, we'll probably get that together soon since we've got the roster now and we can put that together, um, with the best 32 women and the best 32 men, um, and rank them and do a little countdown leading into nationals of who's the best, but I'm sure we're gonna have more storylines, but I think the biggest one just to cover that was kind of like, a. Uh, I don't want to say shocker, but like something that we weren't expecting was just the the switch up in weight classes and, and who went where and just how stacked the 69 and 76 kilo women are um, and just how much fun that's going to be to watch. Yeah, that's going to be great to see. And yeah, obviously more developments. But you know what? I think right now with the recent developments in the showdown, people are already like kind of looking past Raw Nationals, which is funny because we're seeing something that hasn't been done in a really long time. Um, so... I guess we can start here. We have seen some of the elite level USAPL lifters and tested lifters get invites to the showdown and accept them. And the big names are Ashton Rauska, Daniela Mello, Sean Noriega, Rondell Hunt, and Julia Williams all getting those invites. And that meet was already incredibly stacked. It was probably going to be the most anticipated meet of the year, I think, surpassing hybrid. Which, by the way, can we please find another name for meets in the untested side? Stop calling everything showdown. It's confusing the fuck out of me. Because <laughs> I just said hybrid, showdown, showdown, hi- like, all right, we've got to find... So it's going to be the hybrid meet and showdown meet for everyone wondering. Maybe... Well, maybe, cra- maybe I don't know if something's going to be getting announced soon, but it sounded like... Garrett maybe was alluding to Kratos is getting reannounced. So maybe we can shut off the hybrid showdown and it's back to Kratos. Okay. Yeah, please. I just need another name. Like, to stop with the showdowns already. But, but already, that meet was going to be huge. Uh, what we saw, it's going to be probably one of the biggest raw meets of the year. Had 
the top top of the line un, yeah untested lifters competing there but with this added element throws a really unique play on this meet and we said it on the two white lights discussion we talked about it being the reincarnation of raw unity which you and I aren't like extremely familiar with um I was obvious I was definitely not in powerlifting when that was happening I think you were just getting into it um, yep. but with that meet, just long, long uh, explanation short, it is it was an unsanctioned meet that showcased the best lifters from the untested and tested side. That's pretty much it, and that's awesome. That's and you and USA Powerlifting used to send a team to Raw Unity, mm-hmm. like they sent a team to compete. It was a really cool thing. I don't know if we're going to get back to that. I don't think the showdown is going to be what is going to be Raw Unity in that sense. Um, but it, it obviously this year is shaping up to be something where we're bringing people from all different federations together. And we'll see if that can continue in years to come. We'll kind of discuss why this year, I think it's happening and may not happen in, in future years. It could, but may not. Um, I think this year just kind of set up the perfect storm for why it's going to happen though. So mm-hmm. um, I think one of the first things to cover, we've already talked about this, me and you in privately, but Ashton, Sean, Daniela, and Julia. I'm not going to use Rondell because Rondell's is a different situation with the weird federation issue Trinidad yeah. and Tobago has with the IPF. He literally can't go to IPF Worlds because yeah. I, I don't know the whole situation. This is perfect for him. He has nothing else to do. That's why he hasn't competed. For Ashton, Sean, Daniela, and Julia, and as far as I know, I'm, I'm speaking for them, this is not like an FU to the U.S. APL. This mm-hmm. is not a political thing. This isn't a stance. This isn't screw you USAPL. We're leaving you and we aren't coming back. It is not that in any means. And I think that's very dangerous for people to start using that narrative because what this is, this is all of us coming together for a positive, not this negative political thing. And if we're going to create this divide where the people in the untested are like, yeah, 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 ha, 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 USAPL, people are leaving you, screw you you're going to not want, people aren't going to want to come back. So make sure that this is like, this is a raw unity. We're trying to unite here. None of us are leaving our federations. We're just coming together for the better good. And the reason people are doing this, like Ashton, Sean, Daniela, and Julia, is because for a couple main reasons. Numero uno, Worlds is in Belarus this year. Yeah. And this hasn't been talked about because it was decided two years ago. But two years ago, this was a big thing because it was kind of a big slap in the face of the U.S. because... For those who don't know, the last time we were in Belarus, I think it was 2017 maybe, a U.S. team family member was murdered in the team hotel. And not only that, the team hotel was apparently like third world level hotel. Like it was terrible. But a family member was murdered. Yeah. That's one of the worst things that could possibly happen ever. And for the fact of IPF to go back to Belarus, especially because of the timing, I believe that was announced pretty much hand in hand with the IPF trying to basically sue. I don't know if they tried to sue, but they got into USAPL for the USAPL not using WADA. And they wanted the USAPL to change their drug testing policies. And they were going back and forth and almost threatening a cease and desist, saying, we're kicking you out if you don't stop. And then like a month after that, they said, we're going back to Belarus. And all of us were kind of like, really? Like someone was murdered. We really have to go back to Belarus. I don't even know if Belarus has a world's team. Like, why aren't we just going to the U.S., Canada, Sweden, France, and Britain, where, like, the main world's teams are? So that's numero uno. There's a lot of people, even if they aren't doing the showdown, they are not going to go to Worlds this year because people don't want to go to Belarus because they don't want to get killed. 
It's, yeah. it's, it's not a super wealthy country. It's not a place where we should be having a world championship. And it's not even, it's not even so much to, like, even with that, if you add on to it, I think the political turmoil in that country got worse since the last time they were there. It's like, it's, yeah. it's worse. I, I, I don't, it's like, it didn't get, it, there wasn't any improvement in, in Belarus since then. It, it's gotten substantially worse out there. Like it, I, it, there's so many re like there, there's so many reasons not, to, and this was announced a while ago. This wasn't like they just announced it in Belarus. This was known for a while that it was going to be in Belarus again. I think in 2019, that's when people kind of knew. And even then, everyone was like, "What the fuck? Really? Really?" A lot of people on Two White Lights. I think Heather Connor immediately had issues with it. Like, are, are we seriously doing Belarus again? And yeah, that's where you. That's where you see, you know, Daniela, Sean, Ashton really have an issue with it and like you said it's really not a political thing and i think i mentioned this on the hot takes this takes more power away from the ipf definitely not the usapl yeah this is nothing against the usapl it's it's all against the ipf and deciding do i want to go to belarus or do i want to just stay in the u.s and compete against the best in the u.s and arguably a more competitive meet because you're obviously going against people with a competitive advantage being on drugs um, but not all of them. I know Sean, he wants to go against Jawan Garrison and Jawan Garrison is natural. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he wants, he sees Russ and Jawan as the two best 181, 183 lifters in the world. And he wants to compete against them. Ashton's always been the guy that wants to compete against the best, regardless of what, I mean, he's already done the current before. Yeah. And so him being able to go against, against Rondell and Hack and all these other great lifters, I'm sure Ashton, this isn't even about like, he just wants to find the most competitive meat possible. And that goes to like, well, there's a couple points here. Point number two, just the fact is, I mean, well, Ashton and Sean more so. Daniela versus Jessica could have been very interesting. Yeah. That could have been very, very interesting. Ashton and Sean, I might be wrong about this. I looked into this and I didn't see anything that would be against what I'm saying here. If they win Raw Nationals and no one else from the U.S. team goes to Worlds, I don't think they really have much competition. No, not really. I think Timothy Monogatti was second in the 83s because Brett Gibbs currently is injured, and I don't think he's competing this year. For Ashton, he's got uh, Emil Norling and some other guys from Sweden, I think he's from. They're good, but they're not Ashton. Like, they can't compete with Ashton. Rondell's the only one, but he can't go. So, like, Sean and Ashton, it's, it's more competitive to go to this meet. Yeah, like this is actually a more competitive meet for them, as well as they don't have to risk being killed. Yeah, no, oh, yeah, absolutely, and really, especially with like, is worlds going to even happen? Right. Yes, that's point number three. That's yeah. a big point number three. Does worlds even happen in the first place? Yeah, because that, I don't think it will. Yeah, that's that's going to be a I huge. Yeah, that's going to be a huge deciding factor in it. But yeah, the very we, yeah very good points there that you bought up and I yeah it's it's going to I I think right now with everything like it's just a a, a great meet to do in lieu of a potential world spot I think more people are devaluing worlds than any other time because it was always the prime motivation but if you have an opportunity to win some money I would take that opportunity it's really it's actually almost worth that year suspension yeah. I mean, I mean, think, I think too, I know, I think 
probably this is a big thing for Ashton or Daniela. Sean's in this picture too, but I think even more so Ashton and Daniela is probably their main motivation to go to Worlds was the Sheffield. And mm-hmm. we don't know if or when that's happening again. Yeah. Um, for the fact that it's not being announced, I, I think we kind of have to assume it's maybe not happening in 2020. And if it's not, I think that was their main motivation because could, they could win more money going to the Sheffield, but if it's not going to happen, they're paying all this money to go to Worlds because the stipend does not cover your travel expenses fully to go to worlds to win most likely to then not have that opportunity to compete for some big cash prize because the Sheffield doesn't happen. I would love for the Sheffield to happen. The Sheffield would trump everything with the the prize money that SPD was putting up. It makes all these other cash meets look like nothing. Hopefully it happens again, but until it does like the showdowns, a great opportunity for these lifters. So it's a fantastic opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. I um, re- referred to showdown or not, not show, uh, Sheffield as a meet that never was. It you're you're talking right now about a potential meet, and right now with the, how the UK is looking with the pandemic and the lockdowns, I can't see that meet happening in 2021. I just can't. And really, to hold yourself out and the guys that were mentioning, aside from Daniela Mello, Ashton doesn't have a guaranteed invite. He still has to do a lot in order to get an invite to Sheffield. From that initial yeah. Sheffield roster, he was not there. So he has to win Worlds and then get, and I would, of course, assume that he would get that invite, but it's not there for him. So Showdown is that perfect meet. And it's a perfect meet for powerlifting. It's a perfect meet to really unify. And from my understanding, they, they could be drug testing uh, Nori, Ashley, and Danielle, and all the, the drug tested lifters. And that will set this great precedent that. You can be an awesome tested powerlifter. You can be an awesome untested powerlifter. You can put on a great show. You can have this great sense of competitive spirit with both these. And so many people can be the the, the, uh, the beneficiaries, the winners of this. The USAPL could come out on top. Untested powerlifting could come out, come out on top. The lifters can come out on top. It's a win-win for so many people. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to use Ashton in particular because Ashton is the one who's the freak among freaks. He could go into this. I don't know if he could win because John Hack's competing. Yeah. That, I mean, could he possibly, but John's competing. That's the, that's the biggest issue. Ashton could be top three in a meet that has people on drugs. It, there's a lot of untested lifters who say the USAPL is boring. Yeah. And because we're not as strong. Ashton, Sean, Daniela, Rondell, and Julia go in and they place and they do well and they beat a lot of these lifters. What does that say? Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, that I think would, that gains respect on both sides. I think it yeah. gains respect on both sides. And, and it will be, it is kind of a dream scenario where you get to see, okay, how does Ashton do with a 24 hour weigh in? Same thing with Nori and Daniela. How do they do with a 24 hour weigh in? And they get specialty bars. You know, you get the squat bar, you get the deadlift bar. You have all these things you can play with that you don't get in the USAPL. How much of an advantage is it? It's like a powerlifting nerd's wet dream. It's when we put Ashton Rowska in this environment, how does he do? Let's see. Mm-hmm. Let's really see if this is a if, if the squat bar is going to benefit him or hurt him. Or the deadlift bar is going to be something that hurts Noriega or helps him. Same thing with Danny. Same thing with Rondell. Same thing with Julia. It's going to be such an interesting play between the two styles of powerlifting and it is really like you described to me it is seriously like the champions league in soccer i know like probably not a lot of our lifters listeners 
watch soccer, but that's one of the great things about the Champions League. You get to see these people it's from like, different leagues. It's like if Naruto fought Dragon Ball Z. What? Yeah, yeah. What? Wait, hold on. Is, is Dragon Ball a separate character? What? I, I don't know. That's it's a show. I don't know the characters on Dragon Ball Z. It's, it's like uh, it's like Vegeta fighting uh, all the anime characters fight yeah. each other. Yeah. So I'll, yeah. I let's explain it into yeah anime terms. It's like a Vegeta fought the uh, fucking yeah Naruto. <laughs> that'll yeah. that'll strike home with you guys. So, but I know, yeah, I mean, I know, obviously, Ashton wants, he's going in, I'm sure, to win the whole thing. Sean, I'm sure, would want to win the whole thing, but I know kind of the main thing he's kind of talking to me about is, like, he wants to go against Russ, he wants to go against Jawan. Um, mm-hmm. I think he just, he likes that that head-to-head compare, or head-to-head battle. Um, and throwing in the deadlift bar, that would be interesting. We'll have to see what Sean does, but um, obviously, Jawan, I think he just put up 1924, so, I mean... yeah. It, if we're just taking just straight up totals, Juwan is the best 81-181 in the entire world right now that's natural. Um, or even, I think, regardless of anything. Yeah, he's, he's the John best left. raw one, uh, 82 yeah, and a half kilo. He's the best the one. World. He's the best overall anyways. Obviously, we got to see what happens when Sean gets on a deadlift bar and has other variables and doesn't have to – has a 24-hour weigh-in. And we, I, I very well think Sean could very well go 1,900 plus possibly um, and push Juwan a little bit more. Uh, but it's just fun. And then Daniela, obviously, now the 165 class is unbelievably stacked. Yeah. Um, you've got, I might miss some of them cause there was like 10 of them, but I think, you know, I know you got, I'm thinking I'm going in the order of the, their current totals. I think you've got, um, Christy Hawkins is number one. Hunter's number two. I can't remember three and four. It's either Daniela and Briani or Briani and Daniela. I think they're both at like 1350. They're pretty darn close to each other. Um, I looked that up a couple days ago and I forgot exactly the order. And I know there's Rachel Torres and a couple others. And I, I forget the exact order for all of them, but that 165 class is going to be absolutely stacked. Um, Cause that's what we talked about a couple weeks back. Is like, we just, we bias as USAPL lifters to loving battles and head to head competition. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't think either of us value standalone totals as much as we value head to head competition, like nationals and worlds, because that's what we enjoy about the sport. And the showdown now, it had it before, but even more so now, I think we have even more head-to-head battles we're going to see. Yeah. Not just based on based off dots. Dots isn't necessarily head-to-head battle. Head-to-head battle means same weight classes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, and that was that was a conversation I had with John Garrison when he's on the show. Like in the untested side of powerlifting, it's really all about the best overall lifter. You are looking at the showcase of guys who aren't necessarily in the same weight class. Occasionally, you get it. But it's not really that case. And the USAPL is all about the weight class. It's all about the head-to-head battles of the weight class. That's And the showdown, you're, you're getting best of both worlds here. You get to see Heck, Jamal Browner, and all these guys compete. And then you get to see battles between the weight classes. This is a really perfect scenario in everything. And really, like, thinking really far ahead into this, if the USAPL kind of takes advantage of this and maybe does something like they did with the Raw Unity where they send lifters out to actually compete, you can see just some real, real great matchups if you start getting a lot of different people into that sort of showcase meet. I I, I, I compare it more to like a prize fight. Like this is, it's like the Olympics is the USAPL, like amateur boxing, and then this is prize fighting. You get paid, you have the glitz and glam of everything, and you get the best 
competing for money. So imagine if you get Russ in there with a 24-hour weigh-in. Like, Russ, he can total 1,900 with a 24-hour weigh-in for sure. He probably benefit the most from that because he, he def- Russ tends to lose a little bit more on a cut than Sean does. So Russ would definitely benefit from that 24-hour weigh-in. Then you look at the super heavies. You got Ray Williams, Jesus Oliveras. It was a super heavy. It's going against Daniel Bell. Or, like, who the hell wouldn't want to see that? And I don't think Ray Williams... And here's the thing. I don't think Ray Williams ever do it. No. Ray Williams would never do it. But I know who would. Jesus Oliveras. Jesus Oliveras. Yeah. I mean, Showdown said they're going to announce Jesus as the next one. I think they meant Jesus. <laughs> I think they truly meant Jesus. You got to have Megatron in there. So, Mega wants to compete at this thing. You have... Two super heavies, you possibly could have 2,000-pound squats on the same day. I, again, if you're a powerlifting fan, you want to see that. You want to see that happen. You want to see two 1K squats fall on the same meet. And you want to see a, a crazy battle between all these guys. And really, if they start lifting the whole thing of, you know, potentially what happens with suspensions, what happens if you do compete, because I think we're going to talk about that a little later, um, I think Ray Williams really wouldn't want to compete at something like this because it could really hurt his potential of being in the IPF USAPL Hall of Fame. I think that's a big, big thing for him. If they're, if the USAPL is all of a sudden just like, yeah, you'll be in the USAPL Hall of Fame because we don't give a shit anymore about the IPF. We're our own thing. Then it's like, okay, Ray Williams like, all right, perfect. I get to do this meet and win some money and go against these crazy lifters and have this massive spotlight be bought on powerlifting. Unifying the sport, making it more mainstream. That's what we want. We want to see that. Yeah. And it would be interesting because it, it, if, like I said, I, I, this is, I, this is not going to be a shift from USAPL to WRPF or USPA. Yeah. What it would be is a possible shift from IPF worlds to I'm going to do the showdown instead because now I don't have to travel to a different country. It's going to cost a lot less, um, all this kind of stuff. The one thing I'll say with that, it sounds like they're they're working on this. I don't know all of it, but if the showdown wants to continue to have these lifters come back, they have to match the production value of their roster. The meet last year wasn't bad by any means, but it didn't match the production value of their roster. Um, if they're going to have this roster, they need to have the production value of Worlds, of Arnold, of... Raw Nationals. I would go Raw Nationals the, first. What do you say? Raw Nationals first as far as production value goes. IPF Worlds feels like you're watching a boring Olympic event. I agree with that. Their live stream's good, though. Yeah, their live stream's, stream's great. Their live stream is awesome. It's really good. But, and that also, IPF Worlds depends on the country, because some countries are a bit different in kind of their culture and how they lift. But yeah. Arnold and Raw Nationals, whatever it is, match the production value of the roster, because on the untested side of things, we've never seen the production value reach the same level as we have seen in USAPL. And unless you go, unless you go that's super... something where a lot of untested lifters, I don't even think they understand what that means and the, why that's so important to USAPL lifters and how cool it is to be in that level of production. Yeah, I I would, if, if an untested lifter, I mean, all right, I will go and say, because... I, I think when you go real far back into it with those WPO meets back in the day, they were really, really high on the production value as far yeah. as like, I mean, it was early 2000 stuff, but at early 2000 kind of stuff, it's like, yeah, that was 
Well, it was it was intense. It was they they really tried to make it a show as much as possible, and I actually think they did a pretty good job in that. Actually, a very good job. Uh, might be underselling them just a little bit. But if you are an untested lifter, and I have talked to many of them, and they went to Raw Nationals, this is this is going to be non-natty elitism. If you can't admit that Raw Nationals, as far as production value and just the environment of the meat, isn't better than every single untested meat, you're an unnatty elitist. You're 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 playing the USAPL card, but in the other USPA WRPF league. You know what I mean? Like you can't. So many lifters who I've known who are on the untested side who went to Raw Nationals like, okay, you guys win. This is fucking awesome. This is really cool. You got it. Like, this is this is sweet. It's not as intimate as some of the USPA, WRPF meets, but as far as me feeling like a professional athlete, USAPL Raw Nationals trumps this. Um, mm-hmm. And even the Arnold, really, uh, with that, too. So, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. You would have to help the, the production value. And that's what I was curious with Sheffield to see how they did that because I was – very confident that Sheffield could have been that perfect storm of high-level lifting, small roster. That's another thing that I think is underutilized. A small roster is better than a big roster, in my opinion. Um, it makes it feel like more of a sporting event. And also cash prize and, you know, the, again, perfect trifecta of uh, of a great meet. Yep. Yeah, I mean – and the reason I'm putting, I'm, I'm bringing up the production value and hyping up, harping on that is like, we're seeing that this year. We're seeing Sean, we're seeing Ashton, Daniela, Julia, Rondell go to it. If they want people to keep coming back, it's got to be something that trumps what they could receive at other meets. Yeah. And just the fact of the matter is, is we constantly see this on the untested side that one of these big meets comes up after about two or three years, it peaks and then it starts going off it mm-hmm. just starts kind of tapering down part of that's the production value part of that's politics part of that's bears and cages but we can go back 15 20 years and it's always the same thing is there's usually about a three to five year run that's really good and then there's about another three to five years that it tapers off until it goes away we can see that with raw unity we can see that with uh pro pro or big dogs uh pro mm-hmm. raw big dogs in australia um, we can see that with the current, the current is, even though it's happening this year, it is tapered off. It is no longer the premier meet. I would say hybrid showdown and the showdown have trumped the current now, um, in the sense of kind of the untested kind of top level meets. We just, we see this constantly rolling over and we, I, I don't want this to happen to the showdown. So if you don't want it to happen, it has to be something new. It has to have a production value and an experience that can't be matched by anyone else so that it continues to be the premier meet because that's why USAPL raw Nats continues to be the premier meet because it is the best meet in the entire world. Just bar it is, it's just the best run, best production value meet. And there's no other meet in the entire world you can go to that is run the same way. Yeah, I agree. And of course we might get the, uh, the, the natty elitist card if we say that, but I, I believe it's factual. Um, when you go to raw nationals, it's it's great from beginning to end weight classes especially with the competition and again production value is huge um especially the environment that it has and really speaking of usapl this is really what i would love to see happen i would love to see happen is usapl really uses this to branch off from the ipf because the discussion has been had so many times that the usapl could do it johnny candido 
when I asked him when he came on the show, what is the biggest change you want to see in the USAPL? And he's one of the more influential figures in drug-tested lifting. He said USAPL needs to branch out from the IPF. And if they do that, here's, here's the potential. The USAPL can just be like, hey, Raw Nationals is the best drug-tested meet of the year. We already have that, and we are going to have it at a different location every year to make the lifter happy. And we are also going to have the best competition there within the United States and arguably all of the world. Because if you really look at it, the United States has much of the top-level lifters. And when you guys win Raw Nationals, the pipeline could be something like the showdown. And then you, it's like, we'll invite you to this huge Super Bowl of meats, Champions League of meats, Naruto meets Vegeta sort of meat. And this is the pinnacle for you guys. This is the pinnacle. This is where you can win money. This is where you can put on the, a, a show for the fans and also spotlight the sport. And it's like, and with the international competition, hey, the showdown could get international lifters if they wanted, right? They can be like, hey, let's let's invite some of these guys from different countries. Let's let's go let's, let's see what Canada has. Let's see what Sweden has. Let's see what Italy has. Let's see what France has. Let's see let's let's see Leah come here. Let's see, let's see these let's see Pana come here. Let's see these guys. Like it would it would be it, again, just a I think a potentially a win win for the USAPL here. And I'm going to play devil's advocate, not because I even disagree with you, just to give the other side of this, because I actually, I, I've, we talked about it before, like, I, I don't think, I, I think USA PL Raw Nationals, in a lot of ways, is the peak of powerlifting in the IPF. Um, people might hate on the US for saying that, but the fact of the matter is, like we said, if Ashton and Sean win Nationals, they're, they're probably winning Worlds fairly easily. Um, and so, it, it's... Yeah, I have no issue if the USAPL branches off from the IPF. The only issue I see, though, is what I think we're seeing in Australia. They did the same thing. They branched off when the whole Robert Wilkes thing happened. Almost all the lifters went to powerlifting, Australia and world powerlifting. And then recently, from what I know, because I have a little bit of a foothold in Australia with people I coach, some of the lifters who are kind of like the top level are getting a little bit bored. Because there are, in, in the USAPL, it's kind of split. There are some lifters who really, really, really care about IPF worlds. And that is their overriding goal. And they're going to go some, some want to just win it once. Some want to go every single year. Some lifters don't care about it as much. I just worry what would happen is we'd branch off. We'd have this and it'd be really good for about three or four years. And then some lifters would start getting bored because they see these shiny new lifters in other countries who are dominating that they don't get to compete against. And they say, yeah, I'm kind of bored of this. I want to go compete against them again. Yeah. Another federation forms is under the IPF banner. We then split, and now there's the USAPL. There's some other drug-tested federation that sends in the IPF. That's just a tough one. And like yeah. I said, I, I, I agree with you. That's my devil's advocate of, like, what could possibly happen because it's happening in Australia, and I think it would be a tough thing. I, I think even though we don't love the IPF in many ways, I think they keep us drug-tested lifters in a in under one roof i think they help keep us under one roof i think if yeah. we're not under the ipf banner i think we then start just scattering yeah that's th that's a good point and really with our discussion post on two white lights where is it a good or bad thing i think people thought i was referring to the showdown meet just in of itself like is it going to be a bad thing that 
for for the showdown that test or tested lifters are going there. It's not what I meant. It's like just in the in general for the sport, especially with drug tested lifting. This is one of the negatives. What you just explained that very mm-hmm. thing that you do lose an international presence that people can just that people do value. I I when I spoke with Danny Candido, I do value the international competition. I do value that. I just yeah. think and sponsors value it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that, that could be one of those other negative things that people don't realize. Because I feel like we're going to have to explain this every show. Where no matter what we say, when we have, like, say, Ashton is going to compete at this meet, they automatically assume they're going to get a ban from the USAPL. That's, like, stage one. They're going to think they get banned from it. Like, they're no longer allowed to compete in the USAPL and IPF. That's not true at all. The second thing is, like, okay, they're going to get suspension from the USAPL. That's not true either. It's the IPF. They will get a year suspension in IPF if they compete in a money meet or with a meet that has a suspended lifter. And the showdown does. They have a suspended lifter from the USAPL and IPF. People think that's going to happen. And that's a negative that could happen. But a lot of lifters are willing to waive that one-year suspension for all the, the, the reasons we may have brought up. But the other one is a potential sponsorship. Like, SBD, all these different companies do value lifters going to Raw Nationals and international competitions because that's how they market their stuff. The live streams, you get to see the SBD commercials, you get to see the lifters all wearing SBD stuff, and that's how they sell their merchandise. If they don't have that anymore, potentially, some of these lifters can lose sponsorships, and those sponsorships... We've talked about it so many times on the show. Are important for the lifters. It makes so it makes lifting because that because that's what we've talked about. Powerlifting needs more money, and it, it it a lot of it comes from sponsors. I mean, that's how. I mean, LeBron James makes more sponsorship money than he does make money off of his own contract. Yeah, I mean, sponsorships is where eventually it needs to be. Like, we need to be able to feed enough money into these companies that they can then feed money in the lifters to fully support them. So, sponsors is a big thing. Like. Um, we, we tend to see a divide on who spot uh, to an extent, the big sponsors, we tend to see a little bit of a divide with USAPL and, uh, USPA versus WRPF. There are some crossover, but like SBD, um, a seven, I did see is sponsoring actually, uh, Chico Cloins, yep. um, meets this year. Yeah. I, that, I think that's the first time they've kind of ventured off in the kind of untested side. I don't know if they're doing untested. Maybe that's just kind of for the drug tested part of it. I, mm-hmm. I don't know the deal on that. But typically, it's been like SBD, A7, Rogue, um, Alico. They are they are the big sponsors of Tested. And then on the untested side, you have uh, Iron Rebel. I'm blanking on some of them. Mark um, Bell. They, they tend to switch a little bit too. Say again? Mark Bell would be a big one. So. Yeah, Mark Bell, Slings. He actually uh, doesn't Ghost. sponsor a bunch, though. Ghost. He's I- kind of a... Yeah, yeah, you, Ghost, you are. Yeah, yeah, you yeah are. Ghost is a big one. Yeah, Ghost Mark is, Bell is a big... I'm, I'm just yeah. going to flame on it. Mark Bell is a big letdown for the sport of powerlifting. Because that dude has the ability to do so much and he's pretty much just crapped on powerlifting over the last like three years. Yeah. Uh, he's, I think too busy just like injecting meat into his veins. Only meat. Yeah. And that's it. I think that's what, uh, he, he loves selling powerlifters a bunch of gear, but he's just completely stopped caring about the sport. I feel like. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, we, we can segue, we, we can just, yeah, like a two minute yeah. dedication of the show to just bashing Mark Bell because I agree. Yeah. And also I thought his gear sucked and, in the first place I, I thought it was always the less the lesser brands of all the great powerlifting brands out there but yeah i guess that's would be the u.s uh eight man strong 
would be uh, would be would be a big untested thing. I think if we're gonna go into like a cliche USPA WRPF lifter, they're probably gonna be wearing Mark Bell stuff, Iron Rebel stuff, Eight Man Strong stuff, and lifting on a Ghost Rack. I think, mm-hmm. and then if you go opposite with that, SPD stuff, Texas Strain System, ER Rack, Rogue Rack, for the combo racks being used. And you know whatever, yeah, whatever uh, clothing brand there is. A A seven's actually quite big. A seven's probably got like the best comp uh, specific stuff. But yeah, those would be the two big sponsors. And really, if they start, if they if they start if they stop sponsoring lifters, that's big because well, you said LeBron James, he has a contract. This is our contract. This is the powerlifters contract for a lot of them. Is their sponsorships like that's really how you make money? that's like kind of the bare minimum in my opinion is sponsorships. I think you can make money in the sport if you really create something of your own, but the sponsorships kind of that bare minimum. And that is going to be the future of how lifters get paid is through sponsorships. Yep. Unless it turns into something like golf or the PGA tour or prize fighting where you got to win in order to get paid. Like you got to, you got to yep. win these things in order to get money. And you might be able to give a little more background, but just for our listeners, I have a little bit of an understanding of kind of the, the general sponsorship tiers we see. Now, there are some, like Russ has got like BPN, Amanda, I don't know how much she gets from them, but they, they might get a little bit more. But typically, there's three tiers right now. There is tier one, you get a discount code, and you get paid a percentage off that discount code, and that's all you get. Yeah. Tier two is you get a discount code, and you get some type of stipend for meat travel or meat entry. Yeah. Tier three is you get a monthly stipend. Yeah. That's kind of the peak we're at right now. I'm sure, like I said, there's like a sh- there's like a rust, but he's also relying on volume for discount codes. It's probably making him a ton of money. But those are kind of the three tiers, and none of those are paying a living. Um, the the stipend monthly is obviously helping, but like the goal is there where we can get to the point where like people could hopefully build to be able to train full time because they have enough of a st- sponsor stipend on a monthly salary that that can kind of be what they make. Yeah, for sure. And like something like this, if they start losing their sponsorships, then then that's, you know, it it doesn't really help the argument of money and powerlifting when potential and this is all again speculatory and potential talk here, but if they just start if they just stop sponsoring lifters. Like then you then you have to win showdown and your odds of winning showdown are very low, very low unless your name is John Hack. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, I mean, I if you're not two people, you might not. You're not going to win. And what's what's actually what's showdown paying out? I'm not sure. Do you know? Yeah, I, I actually I I don't know what they're paying out either. So it's I mean I we like I, I Kern Kern by the way I I mean I hate to shit on Kern all the time, but they make it kind of almost too easy. Did you see the weight class winner? Uh, the 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 prize money for weight class winners. Was it fifteen hundred? It's fifteen hundred for first place, which I think is great. Like whenever you get all weight class, I think you have to have like a minimum of four people though, in order mm-hmm. to have in. So I mean that makes and that also makes sense. But fifteen hundred in second place gets a fifty dollar disc card or a fifty dollar gift card to Eight Man Strong. Wait, what? This is the weirdest disparity. Second place gets a fifty dollar gift card to Eight Man Strong. I might. It's definitely a gift card. I might be blanking on the exact right, amount that you get. It. I'm pulling it up. Turn. Uh, let's see. Who has faster internet? Yeah, so... Yeah, 50- <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> it is. 
Oh, it's so... See, this... Okay, I'm going to rant here. This is what I said an episode or two ago. I said that the issue with money meets is they're for a lifter. Yeah. That's the issue with them. They're for a lifter. They're for John Hack to take home $30,000. Raw... uh, Natty Elitist. Raw Nationals is for the lifters. Yes, we don't make any money, but all 800 people that go to that meet feel like they are treated like a professional lifter and yeah. get the same experience. They get the same exact experience, whether you're Russ or Heat or you barely qualified, because you get the same exact meet with the same production value, with the same attention, with the same judges on the same platform. Yeah, that's a, that's an excellent point. Um, I Yeah, because I, I was like... This is the funniest disparity between first and second place because you can easily just split up the earnings and no one will care. Like what I said, if you give money out for weight class winners, it's actually pretty cool. Like if you get five hundred, yeah, that is nice. Yeah, it's like if you get five hundred second place would be cool. Yeah, if you give seven hundred fifty out for first place, people are like, all right, sweet. You know, I won my weight class. I'm obviously not on John Hack or some of these massive lifters level, but you know, it was pretty cool making some money. But then you come home and third place get shit. By the way, but second place is like, oh, cool. I got a fifty dollar discount or, or a gift card for. A, a probably a clothing brand that I already have six shirts from. If yeah. you're a USPA WRPF lifter, you probably got a bunch of eight man gear stuff. So I mean, maybe. All right. So I'm assuming the budget is being placed into whatever animal they're having this year. Like we got to always assume yeah. the animal comes into play. Probably a liger. They're probably going liger this year. They got to go more rare. Yeah. So, yeah, I would I love mean, I would love like, so the current US Open to turn into an animal activist thing. It's like they just get endangered yeah. species to appear <laughs> appear at the meet. Like, uh, guy, do they have a panda? No, guy, don't get the panda out of here. But I, I hear untested lifters say all the time, like, why aren't tested lifters like motivated by these money meets? This I'm split, we're explaining why right now. It's because yeah. these money meets can only like they have like 80 lifters because the only way they're going to get people to come is if they have a chance to win money. If you want 800 lifters to show up to a meet, every lifter has to get a great experience. And that's where instead of giving lifters tons of money, you put a ton of money into the meet, make the meet amazing. I'm not against this. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, we're going on a rant here and going on a tangent from our original thing with the showdown. Showdown's amazing, but that's the answer to why like USAPL lifters will put up with some of these things and why we, we don't care about money meets is because fact of the matter is, is those money meets only help a couple of the lifters where raw nationals helps hundreds of lifters and yeah. gives them an experience. Yeah. I've said, so. that, yeah, I've said that before. Like uh, when I talk to USPA lifters and they talk about, Oh, there's a potential to win money. I'm like, none of you guys have ever won money. The, the, the lifters I'm referring to have never won. I have met maybe two lifters like personally that have won money. And that was from the smaller meets like power search is a yeah. smaller USPA meet. That's where they won money. You've, you've won money at a USAPL meet ha- twice, haven't you? Once. You didn't win anything at the Arnold? No, I was close. Didn't. Oh, I would have won. I this is this is my issue with this fucking first come first serve thing. That's why I hate it. I would have won the Pro American if I would have signed up on time. I was fifth. Well, you got a you got a personal check from me for five hundred dollars. Yeah. That's all that matters for the Midwest Prime. I mean, then, 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 came out of my bank account. Yeah, that's pretty much why the co-host right now is from that situation a lot. <laughs> paid my way into it. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you you paid your way to the top. But yeah, uh, like bro. I I was just like with cool. Who could have won that money? But yeah, I I agree with you on that one. Like you don't 
uh, my chances of winning money in you if I decided to hop, if I decided to hop on drugs, go to USPA, and do WRPF meets, my odds of winning money are just about the same. Because I think if I hop on drugs and do all this stuff, I don't think I'm beating John Hack in anything. No. No, so, John, you're, you're still taking it all. So, But to wrap back around, that kind of got on a tangent, but that was all kind of like how like everyone's saying that like only good can come from this. And I agree for the most part, good can come from this. But there, there can possibly be downfalls in the sense of kind of what could happen with drug-tested powerlifting in particular based on some certain ramifications, like we said, with um, how this affects IPF worlds, how this affects suspensions, how this affects sponsorship money, things like that. But for the most part, um, I think we're in agreement. This is awesome. We're, su- we're oh, super yeah. excited to see Ashton, Sean, Daniela, Rondell, and Julia all compete in this. It's going to be an amazing meet, and it's the perfect year to do it. Yeah. it, it all the stars align that this year was a great year to do it because no one wants to go to Belarus. Um, there's nothing else going on in that time frame since the whole schedule for Arnold and national and worlds got flipped around. So it was just a very appealing year to do this. So, yeah. and also fingers crossed, I don't think worlds is going to happen because I think one thing, probably a lot of people listening to this podcast don't realize that outside of the U S powerlifting isn't happening everywhere yet. A lot of these no. countries are still like shut down and gyms aren't open. So like, I don't think worlds is going to happen. I cross my fingers. It does because if it doesn't guess where worlds is next year, Belarus. Yeah, it's just going to get pushed back another year because it yeah. already got pushed back a year. We actually yeah. need worlds to happen so we can get out of Belarus and we can go somewhere else next year. But that's also, I can tell you, that's one of the reasons why that some of these lifters don't care about the suspension because a lot of them assume worlds is going to get canceled and it's going to be Belarus again next year. So who cares? We have to wait till 2023 because we're going to have to anyways, because no one wants to go to Belarus. Yeah. Again, Belarus is the issue. Belarus is the overriding issue here. Yeah, absolutely. That that that's it. that's a huge reason why. And yeah, again, like the, that venue is so important. But at the same time, we really can't. I don't want to shit too much on the IPF here, but we really can't expect them to make logical decisions because I don't know if you guys saw their International Women's Day post. Um, yeah, things are not being run through a lot of brain cells over there because every it it Burger King bailed them out. Burger King bailed the IPF out. Like, I don't know if there's like, all right, thanks, Burger King UK. For whatever reason, it was just in the United Kingdom. But they bailed them out. They're like, oh, thanks, Burger King. Now the attention's kind of off us. But, like, again, like, and then if you just go, if you just go through the IPF Instagram page, hate to be the social media guy, it's like, okay, not, like, a lot of logical thinking isn't happening. And Belarus is one of them. Like, it doesn't take a real crafty intelligent individual to be like hey let's have it in these four nations and no one really have an issue with yeah. it no one will have an issue the majority, like, we're not being, the majority the people in belarus are like come. we don't we don't give uh, people in belarus are going to be like hey we're focused on other shit not powerlifting we don't we don't we don't care that we host ipf worlds it feels like the whole world doesn't even care like powerlifting in eastern europe they care more about olympic lifting they care about more about weightlifting it's more in Europe and America and North America where you see powerlifting in its highest popularity. So let's focus more on that. And as South Africa is actually a pretty big destination too. Yeah, that's next year. If if Belarus happens this year, it's in South Africa. That one's not terrible. That one still doesn't make sense to me because South Africa doesn't really have a powerlifting team. Again, like, why don't we have this? Like, we don't have a bunch. We have a lot of countries that go to IPF Worlds, but it's very populated between like the U.S. Canada, France, 
um, Russia and Britain and Ireland. Hey, I think. Hey, has you know what? Too. I'm going to throw it in there. Italy. Italy has got a real good powerlifting team, and Italy's beautiful. Do you hold? Do you hold dual citizenship? Can you compete for Italy? Oh God, I wish. Oh, so, oh hold yeah, on. I mean, by I the way, really South Africa. By by the I way, get South Africa, but it's better. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, but no. By the way, apparently. Uh, this is from I learned for I, I follow and I associate my, uh, with a lot of Italian powerlifters. Um, apparently, the judging in Italy is like extremely strict. It's like crazy. It's like above the standard of IPF. I was trying to piece together some memes from Italian meme powerlifting pages. That's how deep I got into this. And yeah, it's like <laughs> it's it's a, it's a meme how incredibly strict they are with judging. And I get DMs from other people. They're like. It's ridiculous over here, and I would just it would it's it's very funny how different nations kind of handle the judging, and apparently Italians are super strict. And I would say also watching some of their live streams, some of the best commentary you're ever gonna hear, because Italians speak with such vigor and passion that everything is exciting. When you get an Italian announcing anything in that beautiful accent and that beautiful language, it's. The, the, the live stream and the commentary is going to be, it's going to be A1. It, is, it feels like you're watching the World Cup. Yeah, that's why you were meant to commentate. Yeah, everything's exciting to me. I just speak loudly at all times. And then speak, fa- and then go on tangents and rants. But, and then find a bunch of, a- I, actually apparently I don't, I don't have enough uh, adjectives for uh, nice things to say about lifters though. Not enough. I need to work on that. But... Anything else on the showdown? I think that's it. I mean, I'm sure we're going to talk about it more. I mean, I mean yeah. really, we were just covering this. We talk about Ashton, Sean, Daniela, Rondell, and Julia. Really. Yeah. That, that was the big story. I mean, the showdown was going to happen. Yeah, we yeah. Knew it was going there, but we didn't know that USAPL lifters were going to go there. So that yeah. was that was the big storyline there. So Yeah. I mean, and also, like, just to, like, we were definitely going to cover the showdown as is, as far as the roster goes, because it was incredibly stacked. It was going to be top three premier meets of the year. And I think it would definitely have surpassed hybrid, but now with this added element, that's why we're throwing it in this week because we got those different announcements hybrid. I mean, a uh, showdown showdown was going to be something that we were definitely going to talk about with the, the roster that they had released on the male and female side. Yep. And with that being said, I'm going to make an assumption. That's probably the last time we're going to talk about, showdown maybe for a little bit because we're going to probably be pretty heavy in raw nationals for the next two or three months i know yeah. we're, we're, we're going to have probably a lot of storylines yeah there. we're probably yeah. not going to have too many storylines for usapl outside of that because i don't know if there's going to be really any meets happening um they're all stacked in may and june so we're going to have a little bit of a lull here um is the current coming up Kern's in april coming Kern's coming up in April, but uh, yeah, like I said, kind of alluding to probably something we might work on over the next week is getting that March Madness together, so we can start putting that out there. We're gonna we're gonna have that open for uh, uh, viewer voting um, to be able to see who is the best lifter in the USAPL. Yeah, um, that's gonna be fun. I love contentious debates that people can possibly take ma- major offense to. <laughs> yes, we're gonna we're gonna. I, I guess I, I don't have it on the top of my head. We're going to have you versus, uh, I don't know. Let's just stack you against Aiden round one. And we're all going to vote for Aiden and, and drop you out. 
Dude, I would probably vote for Aiden in that situation. Just based on I know. Shit. Just based I know. I would love I'm saying. Aiden's so lovable. Like, oh, and, and also, I'm and not... Lucky. Lucky's 83, right? He's moving up to 83, yeah. Yeah, so no. I'm like I'm like you, going against like these the, the fan favorites here. You're, you're and apparently, now, so, and apparently I'm not a fan favorite. No. From, based on this favorite, week, so I'm not a fan favorite of anyone. Like, a tested side, untested side, like, it's... If you if you thought I was I was a fan favorite, you're sorely mistaken. I might we had that episode with Sean and Russ on who would be the like the the heel or like the villain within the USAPL. I think um, I inadvertently became that. Yeah, well, Pug was been quiet ever since he missed weight, so you're the new villain. <laughs> it's just whoever Joe coaches, really. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess. Insert anime reference there of what Joe would resemble. Is there is there like a guy in, in any anime show that like uh is in charge of all these villains? There's gotta be one, right? I, I don't know. I watch anime but I don't know nearly enough. I can't I can't talk anime with people. I just watch Um Yeah, you know what that's gonna do it for two white lights. Uh guests to be determined for Monday. We gotta see who we can get lined up for Monday's show. Steve, it is great to see you again. Thank you for coming back on Two White Lights. It's been a week too long, man. Yeah, I mean, if I can, if we go a week without seeing each other's face and just looking at each other eye to eye, it's just it, you get a little bit of a, a a hangover from that and a lull. Like it's just it's just what keeps it's what keeps me going each week. Yeah, yeah, and also when apparently you leave, I I almost get the show canceled. So <laughs> I I think I need you here as like my responsible dad. Just uh That's true. Just uh just like it's like all right, let's uh not do anything stupid this week. Alright everybody. See you on Monday. Peace.